I mean, as a preacher, you know, you think, wow, a preacher gets to preach all the time. A preacher gets to prepare. He gets to do this and that. He gets a little downtime as he's driving back and forth to the hospital, so to speak. He can kind of think about things. He's not physically killing himself. These guys are working all the time. You know, last night when we left here, uh, Brother Adams and his, his voice were in here working uh, into the evening, preparing for today. I mean, they're just servants, all right? Just servants of God. And I have been so impressed with him and his boys, and I don't really know his wife too awfully much, but obviously she's raising them well. Did you get that, guys? Some of you aren't listening. You're already falling asleep on me, all right? I said she's raising them well. You, some, you're, all, you're all in a, uh, what is that called, uh, pulled pork uh, coma, all right? So wake up now. we got preaching time, all right? All right, Brother Adams, you come and preach for us. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Uh, I want to say thank you very much, uh, church family, for your hospitality and, and making us feel so welcome here. I really do appreciate that. My family appreciates that. I appreciate Pastor giving me the opportunity to, to preach and to share something that God gave me out of His Word. And it's truly been a help and an encouragement to me, and I, I pray that it will be the same for you. If you've got your Bible, open it to Daniel chapter 2. As you're turning there, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, my name's John Adams. My wife is Tammy. We have three sons. Our oldest son is Hagen, our middle son is Garrett, and our youngest son is Granger. And we are the Adams family. Amen? <laughs> I have joked several times about our ministry presentation video about doing two separate ones, having one for the more serious church and having one for those that don't mind a little cutting up that starts off. Amen? <laughs> That's who we are, amen, and we, uh, we love to uh, uh, help churches. God put a desire in my heart to give back what he's given me. I didn't get any of these skill sets on my own, and the more I talk, the more you'll understand that. Amen? Anyway, in the book of Daniel, let's read, uh, starting in verse 1. And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his sleep broke from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dream. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Verse 4. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream. And we will show the interpretation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you. Lord, thank you for your word. God, thank you that you preserved it and you uh, kept it and protected it for us. Lord, that we can have this uh, road map as we walk through this life. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord, for the leadership in this church, Lord, and the direction that they're going. Lord, I just pray that you would bless them, that you would continue to work, God, that you would continue to grow this church. Lord, I pray that you would uh, gather my thoughts, that you would calm my nerves. Lord, I pray that you would meet with us. 
Father, I pray that you would speak through me. Lord, I pray that I would be a good steward over your time. Bless this time, Father. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, there's a lot of men, older men, that are wise and they can say a whole lot in a short period of time. I'm not one of those. Number one, I'm not wise. And number two, I talk too slow. Everybody tells me how slow I talk and I think I'm just rambling 300 miles an hour. Amen. I want to preach this afternoon about something that is evident in life. Something that if you haven't had it in your life, you will at some point. And as we get that, we have a responsibility in that. We have a stewardship over that. The title of this message is The Humanly Impossible in Our Lives. That's what I want to talk to you about, church family. The humanly impossible in our lives. When God led us into this ministry, it's a long story, and I'm not, I'm not going to get into all of it. But God led us out full-time into this ministry with $300 a month. We had $300 a month support when I quit my job. Now, any of you that know anything about a helps ministry, you understand the difficulties that's in it. Nobody wants to support a helps ministry. That's what I was told. I was told that I would be on deputation my whole life and never get my support raised. I was told that it would be hard, and it is hard. But church family, $300 a month, and we had at that time, I think, around $1,200 a month in bills. That's humanly impossible. Humanly impossible. But as God has taken us through that and he has parted the waters, we're at 65% on our support in the helps ministry in two and a half years. That's huge. God did that. I could not do that. I could not have done that. The humanly impossible in your life, if you haven't had it in your life yet, you will at some point in time. You may have many. You may have many financial battles in your life that are humanly impossible. You may have health issues in your life that are humanly impossible. There's a few things I want to look at about the humanly impossible, the importance of it and our stewardship of it. Number one is our reaction to it. Our reaction to the humanly impossible. Church family, I know that you know this. I'm, not, I'm no great theologian and I'm not up here to, to, uh, to, to tell you something that you don't already know. You cannot control someone else's actions. You can't. If I walk up to, because I don't know anybody here, if I walk up to my son and I push him or I scream at him, when God called us into this ministry, used Joshua chapter 3 to do that, and God parted the waters for the children of Israel to cross over the ridden river Jordan when it was in a flood stage. I came home and told my wife, and she said no. 
She could not control the action that I put before her. But you know what we can control? Our reaction. Our reaction we can control. If someone comes up to me out of anger, I can't control that. But I can control the, the way that I react to that. We see here three different reactions. The first one is the king. Verse 1 and 2, in the king Nebuchadnezzar, uh, I'm sorry. And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dream. So they came and stood before the king. What was the king's reaction to something that was humanly impossible? The king turned to what we might say the world. The king was faced with something humanly impossible. He could not remember the dream. He dreamed a dream, and it troubled him, but he could not remember what it was. And he turned to the, the things of the world, the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, the soothsayers, the Chaldeans. He turned to all of those. Church family, that's the wrong reaction. When you have something come into your life that's humanly impossible, remember this, that's the wrong reaction. Your reaction should never be to turn to the world. It blows me away when people have marriage troubles, they turn to somebody that's divorced for, for advice. What sense does that make? You know, young people, they have struggles in their lives and they turn to other young people. It doesn't make sense to me. You can control the reaction. You know, God appoints everything. God is in control of everything. We see that in Job. God told Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Whatever comes into your life is approved by God. God allows it. Why not turn to him? Why not turn to him? The first reaction was the wrong reaction. It was the king. Secondly, we see the reaction of the magicians, the astrologers, the soothsayers, the Chaldeans. Look in verse 10 and 11. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matters. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks such a thing, that asks such things, I'm sorry, as any... Uh, at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requireth, and there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods, little g-gods, whose dwelling is not with the flesh. So we see the response to the magicians, the astrologers, the soothsayers, when they're confronted with something that's humanly impossible. If I came to you, if I came to you, Cody, and I said, I dreamed a dream last night, tell me what it was. That's not possible. The, the magicians, the astrologers, they knew that it was impossible. They could not do that. And their response was to stall, was to make excuses. Well, that's just unacceptable. Sometimes when we have things like this come into our lives, we say, God, that, that's not fair to us. That's what they're saying. It's not fair for you, King, to ask us of such things. And we say, God, it's not fair. 
It's not fair for us to have to go through these health issues. It's not fair, God, that you called me to a ministry that you want us to go out and live on $300 a month support. It's not fair that you asked my family to give up their home, to give up their yard that they play in, to go live in a fifth wheel and travel from new place to new place and not have any friends. My boys love to play basketball. We have a basketball team at our sending church Gospel Light Baptist Church in Rogers, Arkansas, and they love to play basketball, but they're not there to play basketball. The boys could say, God, why? I I don't deserve this. But that's the wrong reaction. That's the wrong reaction. Third, we see, is the reaction of the child of God. Daniel, verse 14. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. You know, Daniel could have said, I didn't even have a chance. That's unfair. Why wasn't I asked if I could interpret the dream? Why wasn't I asked if I could be told, if I could tell? But Daniel didn't. It says that Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom. If you look up that word counsel in the Strongs, it means prudence. Prudence. Daniel thought about it. Daniel thought about what he was going to say. Young people, my my dad used to tell me this all the time. He said, son, put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in motion. That's simply what Daniel did. And Daniel said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, we're going to look at it a little, bit far, uh, a little bit more in depth, but Daniel said, but there's a God in heaven. But there's a God in heaven, church family. That's the right response. That's the right reaction when something humanly impossible comes into your life. But there's a God in heaven, and that God in heaven is creator of everything. Everything that happens to me, God ordained it, and it's for my good. It's for my best. He has my best interest at heart. The humanly impossible. Number one, we we have to have the right reaction. We do. Number two, I want to look at the reason for them. What's the reason for the humanly impossible in our lives? Think about it. I mean, why would God... Put something humanly impossible in your life. Knowing that you're human. He created you. Why would he put something impossible in front of you and expect you to do something with it? I have five things. I only have three points, but I have like 150 sub points. So, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't really like the rain. I know we need the rain. I don't like the rain. I don't like the wet. And does... Is anybody in here like it? Everybody don't like the rain? So we'll just stay here and preach till the rain's gone and it's dried outside. Amen? No, I'm kidding. I don't have that much. But I do have five things that are reasons for God to put humanly impossible in your life. Church family, they're coming. If you're not in a storm... You're either coming out of a storm or you're going in a storm. Amen? Number one, 
The reason for the humanly impossible is to give God glory. Why? Because he deserves it. Verse 19 through 23. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings, and he setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that no understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O Lord God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might and hast made known unto, uh, unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. It's simply, church family, to give God glory. To give God glory. You know, several years ago, there was a young man in Lubbock, Texas. And God called this young man to preach. He got saved at church camp, and God called this young man to preach. And this young man went to Bible college at Heartland. And this young man knew that God wanted him to start a church in Maine. I met this young man. We met this young man and his family at a missions conference in Shawnee, uh, Shawnee, Kansas, Shawnee Baptist Temple in Kansas. And uh, I, I was very impressed with this young man. And I told this young man at that meeting, I said, when you get to Maine, if you need a building, you call me. I will put you on my schedule, and I will go there and help you with a building. Several months later, I got a phone call from this young man. We were on the phone for a long time, over a two- or three-month period, about different buildings and, and where he was going to rent or where he was going to buy to start this church in Maine. He finally settled on a building. They had a building there. There wasn't enough uh, land around the building for parking, so he was looking at a third of an acre that adjoined it to buy. And, and it's a long story, and I, I'm leaving a lot out. But the young man, off, they wanted 72000 for the building and 20000 for that land, and he needed them both. He said, Brother John, can you do this in the time that you've allotted us? I said, I believe we can. He said, I'm going to offer them 55000 for both. He offered them 55000 and they counted at 60000 Now, there's a whole lot of attack from the devil that went, uh, was behind the scenes on all of this. But we actually got to Maine three days before the closing on that building. Through our conversations, he, uh, he said, the bank wants me to have a licensed contractor if I borrow the money to, to uh, renovate this building. The bank wants me to have a contractor. And I said, well, you've got some money saved up. Why don't you see if they'll let you buy the building outright and carry the note, what's left on the land. That way you have the building free and clear and you don't have to use the bank. So he tried that and they wouldn't go for that because there was some investors that owned the property and one of them was a lawyer and they were very upset that the one 
investor had entered into a contract without them approving it. The devil was fighting. The lawyer tried every way in the world to get out of that contract, and he couldn't. But Brother Jaron, his, uh, his um, realtor, she said, they won't do that. And Brother Jaron said, well, you know, I've got $40,000 that I've saved up. And she said, wait a minute, you have $40,000? And he said, yes, ma'am, I do. She said, well, I'll just give you the other $20,000. We'll close the deal, and you can pay me back whenever you want to. Church family, that's a lost woman that Brother Jaron never met. He had only spoken to her on the phone. God did that. God did that. I went to the closing with Brother Jaron on this building, and she wasn't even there. She winters in Florida. She wasn't there. She sent her son with a $20,000 check to give to a man that she had never seen that they don't have a financial agreement with any kind of signature saying he's going to pay that money back. My oldest son asked me, Brother Jaron, through his testimony, he went on deputation for four months. Raised 100% support and saved $40,000 for a building. And my oldest son come to me and he said, Dad, how is that possible? How is it possible that Brother Jaron can go on deputation for four months, get 100% support, and save $40,000? And other missionaries, it takes three years. Four years. That's a very good question. And I said, Son, I don't know. I don't have an answer. But I prayed about it. And I looked in God's Word, and God showed me that Zechariah, God took his voice. God took Zechariah's voice in his doubt, in his unbelief. Now, God could have made him lame. He could have made him deaf. He could have punished him in any other way, but he took his voice. Why did he take his voice, church family? Because of what he might have spoken unbelief. What he might have spoken unbelief. And God showed me this with Brother Jaron. Every time Brother Jaron came in that building that we worked on, he said, Brother John, I can't believe what God's doing. Can you believe God did this? Can you believe what God did with this realtor? And I got a whole list of things. God convicted my heart to, at every project, make a list of what i seen God do. Because I've seen God do so much there, church family. And it's humanly impossible for a young man from Lubbock, Texas, to go to Bible college, to go to Maine, to start a church with nothing. Started deputation with nothing. He had a wife and four kids. Started deputation with nothing. God gave him 100% support and $40,000. That's humanly impossible. But Brother Jaron came in that building every day, and he either said, can you believe what God's done, or let me tell you what God did last night. Yeah. Let me tell you what God did. He gave uh, cabinets. Now, this building, I usually say that that building was big, but it's not compared to this. But it, it was perfect. It was perfect because those investors had taken that building and completely finished the outside. New windows, new roof, 
new siding, and then they got sick and couldn't do any more work, so the inside was an open shell, and he could finish it however he wanted. God did that. God did that. Brother Jaron would come in, and he would say, somebody just donated all the lumber to finish this building. One end of it, we put a two-story apartment for them to live in, three-bedroom apartment. The middle of the building was sanctuary. They can seat about 60 people. The other end of the building, the downstairs was his office, and the upstairs was nursery with prophet's chambers. God did that. Church family, the humanly impossible is put in your life for God to receive glory. God did what he did with Brother Jaron because Brother Jaron was faithful to give him glory. Brother Jaron's no different than you and I. Not a bit. Not any different. I'm going to read you some verses. Why was everything created? Psalms 148, 1 through 5. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the highest. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him, the sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. Everything was created to praise God. Why were we created? Psalms 102, verse 18. This shall be written for the generations to come, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. Isaiah 43, verse 7. Even every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. Colossians 1.16 For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thorns or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Revelations 4, 11, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Judging from God's word, I'd say that we're to praise him. We're to give God the honor and the glory that's due him. I'm going to jump through the next uh, uh, couple of things pretty quick because I want to get to to number five and then wrap this thing up. Secondly, the reason for the humanly impossible in our life is for him to be revealed to others. For him to be revealed to others. You know, I heard a, an old-timer say that years ago their conversation when he would meet another man was, hello, sir, listen what God's done since the last time you've seen me. And the other side of the conversation went, let me tell you what God's done since you've seen me last. Then they might talk about their crops. 
Then they might talk about their garden. Then they might talk about the weather. Now, there's conversation all over by Christians. And never once is God given glory. If we don't give God glory, how are they to know? How are they to know how good God is if we're not proclaiming it? How are they to know what God's done in your life if you don't tell them? What good does it do for God to bring you through a humanly impossible situation if you're not going to tell anybody? If you're not going to share it so that He can get honor and glory and that so that He can be revealed to others... Why would he do it? Others need to know how good God is. Somebody told you. Somebody told you. Thirdly is for our faith to be strengthened. For our faith to be strengthened. There was a time when we first went out, we had a little bitty bumper pull trailer and a man had set up a place for us to park. He had an electrician come in and and plug uh, put a plug for us to plug into. And we pulled there, and we were excited. And we plugged in, and poof, stuff started popping all over our trailer. The air conditioner up top was making all kinds of racket. And I run out there and went to turn the breaker off, and it was 220. The, the 30 amps are 110. The 50 amps are 220. But the electrician didn't know that. So me and my wife were panicked. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know how we was going to pay to fix it. I called. I done what every red-blooded American would do. I called my insurance company, amen? I pay them money every month. Why should they not take care of it? So I called my insurance company, and they took care of it. And it was measly, I'm telling you. It was measly. It was five, 600 bucks maybe. But we had $300 a month support, so it was almost two months' worth. Amen? So I said that to say this. As we've gone through this, our faith has been strengthened. And we know that because of the humanly impossible that God puts in our lives. In October of last year, we had a leak in our roof. I got a quote, and it was $10,000. I got another quote, and it was 4700 That's the one we went with. But we didn't have that. So we took our trailer to Arkansas, and I put a big tarp over it, and we went to Maine and done that job in Maine. Come back in January, and God had given us the $4,700. We put a new roof on, and one of our slides was going out. It was dropping down, and you could see daylight. So I took it to Camping World, and I said, I think that slide needs to be adjusted. Two days later, Camping World called me, and they said, Look, that slide's not out of adjustment. Your whole floor is rotted. We're going to have to pull two slides. We're going to have to replace the floor in the slides plus in the trailer. I said, I better come over. I went over there, and they gave me a quote of $18,000. So the first one was five, 600 Me and my wife panicked. The next one was 4700 We didn't panic. We let God take care of it. This one was $18,000, and we panicked. You know, we haven't arrived. <laughs> we haven't arrived. We're still growing. 
$18,000, I'd done what every red-blooded American would do, and I called my insurance company. But before I called them, I went to the altar. And I said, God, if you choose to use the insurance company, I'll give you glory. But if you choose not to, I rest secure in your hands. Church family, I'm not anything. I'm not trying to boast me up or build me up because I'm not. But I'm telling you the humanly impossible. If you do the right things with them, they'll take you to places that you won't even believe. You won't even believe. You know, God chose not to use our insurance company. Four times they denied me. First time they said, you didn't do this. I sent them paperwork where we did. The second time they said, there's no proof there was roof damage. I sent them pictures of the roof damage. Then they said something else. And then the last one, he's like, we're not going to cover it. And this is why I said, sir, you don't have to explain it to me. I don't need another excuse. I know God doesn't want you to do it now. So he's going to take care of it. And I told him this. I said, my God is bigger than your insurance company. He is. First quote we got was $18,000. We sent out a plea. And there was a man that pastors a church in Alabama that repairs campers for a living. We took it down there. Church family, he repaired the floors. He put new floor coverings through the whole thing. New carpet in our bedroom. New carpet in the boys' bedroom. A, 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 a new toilet in our bathroom. He waxed and buffed the outside for $8,200. God provided that $8,200. He put that in my life so that I would give him glory. So that others could know him. And so that our faith is strengthened. Church family, when those things come, don't shun them. Embrace them. Embrace the humanly impossible. Fourthly, it's to show us our growth. I know that we have grown. I can see that. I know that we are not to stop growing. God never wants us as Christians to plateau. Church family, continue to grow. Continue to grow. And fifth, uh, the, the fifth, fifth one is this. And I, I want to spend a little bit of time here. And we're almost done, I promise. The fifth one is this. Now stay with me. I'm from Arkansas, and it's a little bit confusing. But the reason for the humanly impossible in our life is so that we will learn to make the possible impossible. So that we will learn to make the possible impossible. Now think about that. Let's think about the three Hebrew children in Daniel. The three Hebrew children, it was absolutely possible for them to bow and to worship 
that statue. You remember the story? Nebuchadnezzar had built this big statue, and he said to everybody, he said, when, when you hear the music, you bow. They were physically able to bow. But they took a stand, and in their heart they said, we're not going to do it. It's physic. It was. It was very impossible. It, it was very possible for me and my wife to go get a loan. Well, I say that it might not have been with our income, but it would have. It could have been possible for us to go get a loan and fix our trailer and then make payments. I know an assistant pastor in uh, uh, Brother Graham, Benton, Arkansas. And Brother, Brother Graham's the pastor, and he was preaching a revival for us up in Harrison, where we're from. And on Thursday night of the revival, he told us this. He said, my assistant pastor has a car that is junk. It's junk. It's been totaled out twice, and he's bought it back from the insurance company, and he's driving it. Now listen, that assistant pastor had sat down more than once with his pastor and he had worked out a budget where he could afford $75 a month for a new vehicle, new, uh, an old, new-to-him vehicle. But he didn't do it. And that Thursday night at our revival, Brother Graham stood up there and he said, Church family, I just want to share with you that I got a phone call yesterday afternoon and a man in our church Ask if it would be okay if he bought him, the assistant pastor, a new Ford truck. Now, you think about that. It, it's possible for that pastor to go out and buy a vehicle for $75 a month. But he said, I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to let the Lord do something so that he gets glory. So that others can know God. Young people, I want you to listen to me very carefully. We go through this with our boys. You need to role play scenarios in your head. Now, I'm not trying to be mean and hateful. I'm trying to be a help to you, okay? Role play some things in your head so that when you get to those situations, you already know your answer. You're not caught off guard when somebody presents you with pornography. You've already made up in your mind. You've role-played the situation and you've made up in your mind, I'm not doing that. When you're confronted with something to lie about, role-play that situation in your head. It's coming. It's coming. Somebody's going to, at some point in time, present you with an alcoholic beverage you need to have your mind made up before you get there so that you don't have to make a hasty decision. A hasty decision is usually a wrong decision. Church family, that's not just for young people. We are presented with stuff all the time and we need to have our mind made up before we ever get presented with it that we're not going to do it. That we're not going to participate. We're not going to be a part of it. That when that pops up on my phone or it pops up on my computer, I look for the red X. You have got to make up. You have got to make things that are possible 
impossible. That's why God puts those in your life. He puts things in your life that are humanly impossible so that you will make them impossible. It's impossible for me to overstep God's boundaries. It's impossible for me to take care of this myself. In Daniel chapter 6, when Daniel's thrown into the lion's den, you know, God's Word says that Daniel, when he knew the decree had been signed, he went to his chamber and bowed three times with his window being opened toward Jerusalem three times a day. And then the Bible says this, as he did aforetime. You know what that means? That means when something humanly impossible came into his life, like the den of lions, church family, we read God's Word. Young people, we read God's Word, and we read the end of the story, and that's it. We never put ourselves in their position. Put yourself in Daniel's position. He did not know he would survive the lion's den. The three Hebrew children did not know they would survive the fiery furnace. But they had made up in their mind that they weren't going to compromise. Make things impossible. Make things impossible. Take that stand. And thirdly and lastly, I want to look at the reality of the humanly impossible in our life. The reality of it is, church family, that it will come. Even if you lived a life of ease where you never had an illness, you never had a financial struggle, you never had a wayward child, your children were perfect, they weren't rebellious growing up, there was nothing ever humanly impossible that you could see in your life. If that's you, if that could happen, the reality is, as Pastor shared this morning, there's still something that's humanly impossible. And that's for us to go to heaven on our own. The reality is that it's humanly impossible for you and I to go to heaven. The Bible says in Romans for the wages, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. We all know what a wage is. It's what we deserve. It's what we, what we earn. We have earned death, which is separation from God for eternity. Eternity is very real. Life after death is very real. You will spend eternity somewhere. The reality is that you can't go to heaven on your own. The reality is that it's humanly impossible. Humanly impossible. Church family, God loves you. And if he's put something in your life that's humanly impossible, learn from it. Grow in it. Tell others your responsibility in that is to share to others. Share to others. 
if the pianist would make her way up and just begin to gently play. I want you to think about it, church family. I want you to think about how your reactions are to things. How's your reaction to the humanly impossible in your life? God wants to do a work in you. He wants you to grow. He wants your faith to be strengthened. He wants others to know Him, and He deserves glory. He deserves glory. I'd like for you to bow your heads and, and, and take a few minutes and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Nobody came here to hear from, from uh, John Adams today. We came here to hear from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit. Church family, it is so important what we do with the humanly impossible. It's not about us. It's about God.